Well, hey, everybody at our Kernersville location, and for those of you who are watching from Oak Ridge and online, we are so glad to be with you. My name's Eric, and uh, it is a pleasure. And so <clears throat> I want to thank all of our amazing staff who did such a great job throughout this series of just giving us wisdom that we could hold on to uh, throughout the whole full, foolproof series. They have done a great job. So thank, thank you all of you who are listening somewhere, volunteering out in the hall somewhere. We love you guys. So guys, um, God has taught me a very deep spiritual truth this year. And it doesn't happen very often. I'm not the brightest bulb in the hallway. And sometimes it takes him a little bit to kind of get through to me. But I feel like this year he has taught me such a deep spiritual truth. This is changing the way that I see everything. And here's the spiritual truth right here. 80% of arguments start because someone has not eaten yet. <laughs> That's right. When our desires are not filled, it makes a difference in our life. I mean, Instagram said it, so it must be true. Right. So, uh, but you know, as, as part of being a human being, we all have desires. We all have desires, a desire to eat and sleep. And, you know, they're all natural. If you didn't have desires, you wouldn't be alive. So we have a desire to eat and sleep and for intimacy and for accomplishment and TikTok. I mean, all those important desires that are in that list, we all have them. But here's what we know. Our culture, our culture's motto is more is better. So more is better. Why get the small fry when you can get the large fry? You can get the biggie size, right? Our culture's motto is more is better. And personally speaking, I'm the kind of person that um, I love accomplishment and I love results. And so I can lean so hard into working toward getting stuff done. I can, I can really roll right over people and I, don't, and I didn't even see them because I, am, I can get so hyper-focused. And a lot of us have those extremist personalities where you start biking and all of a sudden you have a bike and you got all the gear and you got everything, right? I mean, we have, some of us have those extremist personalities. I see some of you looking at each other like, yeah, you bought that, didn't you? Yeah, you, you did that. But we all have those desires. And um, God has taught me some empathy this year that I've never had before. But here's what I also know. We have all felt foolish when a desire went unchecked and it got us into trouble. When you didn't check a desire and it got you into trouble and all of a sudden you hurt somebody that you loved, you hurt somebody that you didn't love, you, you hurt somebody, you hurt yourself, you did something because a desire went unchecked and it got you into trouble. We have all felt that. I mean, why watch one show when you can binge watch a season, right? I mean, why get the medium drink when you can get the bladder buster? right? I mean, why get one plate when you can go to the buffet, right? I mean, please don't show me chips and salsa. I have to avoid restaurants that serve chips and salsa because I will gorge myself. And when it's time to order, I'm not even hungry. Has anybody else feel this besides me? I, I you know, and you put the trifecta together. You put a, you put a season that I want to watch with a bladder buster and chips and salsa. Y'all might never see me again. I mean, it might be over uh, at that point. But here's what I know. It is difficult to discipline our self-indulgence. It just is. Proverbs tells us this right here. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. When you don't have self-control, you become vulnerable. 
You become vulnerable to this world. You become vulnerable to others. You become vulnerable to yourself, to hurting yourself. And when we don't have self-control, we become extremely, extremely, extremely vulnerable. So we know that we're going to spend a lifetime trying to figure out how to manage our desires. We don't kind of learn that in a year and kind of, oh, got that, check that off. Hey, we're all good. It's going to take us a lifetime to learn how to manage our desires. So how does desire work? Now, here's what I know about desire. Um, Desire is a good thing. If you didn't have a desire, um, you probably wouldn't want to eat or wouldn't want to sleep. Wouldn't want to get an education, wouldn't want to start a family, wouldn't want to take care of people that needed your help. Like if you didn't have those desires, it wouldn't keep you alive. But here's what I also know about desire. Because of your sin nature, because of your sin nature, your desires and your motives behind those desires are broken. So you can't always trust your desires. When you feel a desire coming on, you feel a little something, you can't always trust it because we are broken, sinful people. And so we have to question those desires when we feel them. And here's what I know. We all have the capacity to allow a healthy desire to become unhealthy. All of us have this capacity. And there's a verse that this whole talk is built on that I just love, and it's spoken to me so much this week. Here it is. Just as death and destruction are never satisfied, so human desire is what? Never satisfied. Human desire is never satisfied. You're never going to eat and go, well, I don't need to do that again. Like, like you're, you're never going to get a great night's sleep and go, check, don't need to do that again. Like, you're, you're never going to accomplish something and go, I don't need to accomplish anything else. No, you can have a desire to do something. You're, you're never going to be... Um, well, I'm, I'm gonna, I know we have children in the room, so I'm going to keep it clean, you know. You're, those desires are never going away. You are always going to have to manage them all of your life. And this is the lesson that I feel like that God wants to teach us. If you look at the spectrum of desire, I think you can look at it like this. So take a desire, and sometimes we have weird thinking when it comes to our desires, but take a desire that God has given to us, and it can either become healthy or unhealthy, okay? So let's just take your career for just a second. Let's take your career. Let's say you have a healthy desire to have a strong career all of your life, okay? Here's what that looks like. You're probably going to get an education. You're probably going to get some certifications, You're probably going to find a mentor or coach that can help you become better at what you do. You're probably going to do a lot of outside study and reading about your career and how to, you're probably going to develop relationships and people in your field and experience and get to know them and network a little bit and collaborate. Those are healthy ways of how to take that desire and let it work for your good. But you can also take your career and you can, you know, show up late, leave early. You can also take your career and you can gossip all day at your office. You can also take your career and never, <clears throat> never see the possibility and hope that you can make your organization better just by being there. Or you can also take your career and it becomes everything. The, the significant people in your life, they don't matter anymore because it's all about your career. Like, you're not spending time with anybody outside of if they have anything to do with your career. That's all you want to do. And your spouse and your children, good luck. Because it's all about my career. I'm an Amazon shopper. Anybody else Amazon shopper? 
I love Amazon. Every birthday, every Christmas, y'all don't ask me what I want. You know what I want, right? I tell my family, you know what I want. You don't even have to guess. I'm the easiest person to buy for in my whole family, right? And so I love Amazon. Amazon has the best deals. They, you know, I, it's, it's two-day shipping if you're a part of Prime. And a lot of the things that we want, sometimes you can get them a little bit cheaper on there. And that's the healthy desire with me for Amazon. But recently, my wife gave me a really hard time because I happened to order some biker shorts on Amazon. And what's funny about this is I don't have a bike. I just thought it'd be funny. I just thought it'd be fun. And so my wife has given me such a hard time that I am now convinced I'm going to put those biker shorts on and wear them around the house, play a little fancy light, and we're going to have a good old time and, uh, and that kind of thing. But we can all see where a desire become, can become healthy or unhealthy. It can all become healthy or unhealthy. So God tells us there's a, there are three enemies that fight against our ability to honor God. Anytime you want to honor God, you've got three things fighting against you all the time. Anytime you want to honor God with your life. Here they are. Number one, our world. Our world will fight against you anytime you want to do something to honor God. It probably fought you this morning to keep you from watching online or coming to church. But here we go. Uh, John writes, do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Second, now listen to what the world offers, okay? This is what your world that you live in, this is the value system of your world that you live in and the people you rub shoulders with. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. I just want to stop right here for a second. This is the value system of the world you were, you were born into and that you live in. This is their value. This is its value system. One of the biggest challenges in your life that you're going to have to decide is whose value system you're going to live by. The world that you've been, God's put you in that's been tainted by sin or his value system. But notice this again, only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. That sounds about right. That sounds about right, the world that we live in. Next verse. These are not from the Father, but they are from this world. So the world is going to fight you because its, its value system is completely different than God's. Completely different. Second of all, you have an adversary. You have an adversary. And this is what Jesus said. The thief's purpose, his purpose, okay, is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying Life. When I, when I read this verse, I think about the Last Dance documentary that I watched last year. And I remember Magic Johnson, the greatest point guard in the, you know, ever in the NBA, uh, had this to say about Michael Jordan. They were playing cards one night during, uh, I think it was when they were on the Olympic basketball team together. And they were playing cards. And, and Magic said, he said, the thing about Michael Jordan is he didn't just want to beat you. He wanted to crush you in a card game. And that's the kind of enemy that you have. He doesn't just want to beat you. He wants to embarrass you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to hurt you. He wants to kill you. He wants to do anything he can to nullify your influence in this world. 
You know, people have lots of, you know, when it comes to Satan, one of the things we do is we take it too seriously and we don't take them seriously enough. But you need to understand you have a real enemy. And Jesus said, I want to give you a rich and satisfying life. Third, third thing that just gets in our way anytime we want to honor God is our own flesh. Good gracious, we get in our own way. And here's what the Bible says. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away and enticed by their own evil desire and enticed. Each person is dragged away by their own evil desire. So here's what we know about what God has done for us. Your sin nature, if you're a Christ follower, your sin nature is defeated, but it is not dead. It is defeated by the power of Christ, but it is not dead. And because you're a Christ follower, you have the Holy Spirit now in you to help you fight against the world's value system that we live in, the adversary that we each have if you're a Christ follower, and now our own flesh can fool, can fool us from time to time. So how would God renew our desires? What would he say? Well, here's what I think he would say. Romans 12, 2, this is what Paul says, the Apostle Paul. <clears throat> he says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. That sounds familiar, right? John just told us, hey, here's the world's value system. Here's what you need to be aware of. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you. Transform. What I love about this word is that in Greek, the word is metamorphosis. It's the, word that, it's the word that we use or that we see when we see a caterpillar turned into a butterfly. That's the word, metamorphosis. It's let God transform you. Let, let there be a metamorphosis in your life into a new person. God, how do you make me a new person? How do you change me, right? He says, by changing the way that you think. You know what this phrase is in the Greek? It means to repent. Now, I don't know about you and if you've been around church for very long, but a lot of us, when we heard the word repent, it was said to us in a very angry way. You need to repent, blah, 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 you know. And, oh, okay, you know, whatever to make you stop, you know, that kind of thing. But, but what Paul says is <clears throat> repentance is just changing the way that you think. It's just changing the way that you think. And when you change the way that you think, then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. And here's what changing the way you think means. You replace the negative, sorry, anxious, depressing, sad, foolish thoughts that you have. And you replace them with what God has said. That's what it means to change the way that you think. You take whatever thought, whether that's depressing, whether that's weird, whether it's disappointing, whether it's angry, whether it's resentment, whether it's bitterness, whether it's whatever you're dealing with that is unhealthy and it's toxic to your spirit. And God says the way that you change the way that you think is you take those thoughts and you stack them up to Scripture and say, God, what have you said? about this situation? What have you said about me? The other day, um, I woke up, got out of bed, and, you know, I'm kind of a very uh, 
um, organized person and there are certain, I like my morning to go a certain way and I have a certain uh, ritual and protocols that I like to do in the morning and music that I like to listen to and coffee that I like to drink and all that kind of stuff. And so, but I was getting out of bed and I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but I got out of bed and the worst things all of a sudden hit my mind about me. The worst things. Has this ever happened to anybody else? You get out of bed, all of a sudden, it may not happen in the morning for you, but I got out of bed and I was like, all of a sudden, the most horrible things that were going through my mind that I would never say about anybody else, I was saying about myself. And I would never say this about anybody else. But all of a sudden, for some reason, these thoughts were going through my head about me. And I'm like, are these my thoughts? Is Cretia saying something to me? And I look, you know, she was still asleep. Now that doesn't sound like something she'd say to me. And my kids were still asleep too. And I'm just like, what? What's going on in my own head? And I stopped. I remember halfway to my bathroom. I, I stopped and I said, that is unacceptable. Out loud. That is unacceptable. You have the power to stop letting your mind bully you in such a way that it makes you feel terrible. But sometimes we have to get to a point where we have to say, this is unacceptable, mind. You better go back and find something else I can work with because this ain't working. And you know what? You and I both want a home field advantage. College football is coming right around the corner, right? I'm so, so excited. You know what's fun about college football, especially for me, is when my team plays in their home stadium. I love it because they have a home field advantage. You've got the crowd. You've got the band. You've got the music. You've got the energy, the momentum. Home field advantage, okay? Your mind is your home field advantage. Your mind needs to be working for you, not against you. And there are times where you need to say, this is unacceptable. What I'm thinking right now needs to stop. It's not true. I don't know where it came from. But just because an idea hits your head doesn't mean it's true. It just means an idea hit your head. And now you've got to figure out what to do with it. Sometimes we just need to say it's unacceptable. And then what I love about what, uh, what Paul says here, he says, when you change the way that you think, guess what God opens to you and me, right? Check this out. When you change the way that you think, guess what God opens? He says, then you will learn to know God's will. Eric, how do I find out what God's will is? What's God's will for my life? What am I going to do? What's God? What's Paul say? He says, when you change the way that you think, then God's will becomes a little clearer. So here's the principle that I think God wants us to know. Here's the principle. <clears throat> Whatever has your attention has you. Whatever has your attention has you. I want to speak to all the teenagers in the room and those watching online and those at Oak Ridge right now just for a second. All right, if you're a teenager, I'm going to just 
you know, parents, you cover up your ears and you can get on your phone and tweet if you want to, whatever. Teenagers, okay? This is why your parents stress out so much. This is why they're worried about you all the time and who you hang out with and what you listen to and who your friends are and the places that you go because whatever has your attention has you. All right, Dulles, I'm going to speak to you for just a second. Men and women, whatever has your attention, it has you. Think about your marriage. Think about your relationships. Think about the things that mean the most to you in your life. Do they have your attention? Because if they have your attention, they'll have you. Some of the biggest mistakes we make in our life is we give our attention to things that don't deserve it. And we lose the most important things that we love. Because whatever has your attention has you. So what would God say? What would God say of how we change our desires and how we can begin to change how we think about our desires? The first thing I think he would say is you need to know your triggers. Triggers are those things, those situations, those people, those substances, those whatever that they they trigger you and all of a sudden you begin to feel a desire. And it may not be a healthy desire right? So know your triggers. Know the things that trigger you to want to do things that they're not, these are not going to honor God. And so let's find ways where we can either avoid those situations or people or whatever the case that they are and find replacements for them. But know your triggers. Know yourself well enough to know that if you go into a situation, you're probably going to be tempted to do something or you're probably going to be you know, it's going to put you in a situation where it could be dangerous. Here's what I also know. Have you ever asked this question? If I was more spiritually mature, I would not struggle with this anymore. Man, I've asked that question. God, if I was more spiritually mature, I wouldn't struggle with this anymore. I think we all ask this question from time to time, but here's what I would say. The desires that we have, their intensity may fluctuate from time to time of great intensity or less intensity, but I don't know that they ever go away. Now, some of you, some of you watching Oak Ridge here in Kernersville, some of you have had a God moment where God completely took a desire away, and yay for you, that is awesome. But most of the population's probably not going to experience that. What God's going to do is give them his power to overcome that. So don't beat yourself up where if you're thinking, man, if I was more spiritually mature, I wouldn't be dealing with this anymore. No, depend on God's power to move through those situations. So know your triggers. Second of all, I love this quote by Rick Warren. Revealing your feeling is the beginning of healing. If there is a desire in you that you feel like this is unhealthy, and it's going unchecked, and I kind of feel myself spinning a little bit, spinning out of control, and if I don't get hold of this, it could really do some destruction and damage to my life. You need to talk with a Christian friend about this. 
Okay, you need to, this is where small groups come in handy. This is where, where God wants you to be in a group so you can meet other people that are journeying the same as with you. This is where you need somebody in your life that loves Jesus who you can sit down and say, man, I, I, I need to talk to somebody about this because I feel like I'm spinning and I'm getting, it's getting out of control and I need to get my arms around it again. I don't want to be like a city with broken down walls that is vulnerable to anything. I've got to get my arms around this and really try to, try to talk about this. I would also say this, and I want y'all to hear me. Um, I want y'all to hear me say this from my heart. If whatever you're going through, you can't, if the desire you're feeling is so intense and it feels so wrong to you and you can't talk about it, you're probably in a very dangerous place. So get some help. Get, if you can't talk about it, you need to get some help because it's not going to be long before things really start to unravel for you. Third, I want you to identify the lie in your life. So every time you sin, every time you sin, you are believing a lie. Every time. Every time I sin, every time you sin, in that moment we are believing a lie. So you need to identify the lie right before you're getting ready to do something that doesn't honor God. So how many of you like to fish? Guys, a lot, a lot of people in the room like to fish. I wouldn't call myself a fisherman. I'm just going to go on record to say that I had to Google this this week to find out what it actually was. Now, I, I've fished before. I like it. You don't want to go fishing with me unless you want to talk about college football or leadership. And most people just like being quiet when they're fishing. So that's why you don't want to take, take me with you. But what this is, is this is called a spinnerbait. And I have done all kinds of research this week on this. And a spinnerbait is used to catch bass fish. Okay. And so what a spinnerbait does is these little gold things right here, they mimic bait fish. And bait fish are these small little fish about this size that bass, big bass, like to eat. So when they see this little thing, you know, through the water, it gets the bass attention. And he's like, oh, man, there's some fancy fish going on over there. I'm going over there to eat it, right? Now, what's interesting about this, um, this attractive lure right here with this fluorescent and white uh, little rubbery things coming off of it is you can tell I'm not a fisherman, right? Um, what's interesting about this lure is that underneath this fancy fish right here that I'm holding is this great big hook right there. And so what the bass is thinking is, ooh, that fancy lure over there looks like some fancy fish. Haven't seen that one before. He looks yummy. I'm going to go over and eat that. And, and right as he does that, all of a sudden, that big old hook that I caught my finger on the other day and it hurt, snags him. You know that phrase, there's a hook in here somewhere. That's where this comes from, right? I want to talk about, about you and me for just a second. When we sin, if sin is the hook, whether that's a decision we make or a behavior or a thought, whatever the case may be, <clears throat> I want you to think this way. When you sin, 
There is a lie that you are choosing to believe before every sinful act that you do. And you see that lure and you go, wow, that's attractive. It must be tasty. It must be good. It must be real. She is wow. He is wow. What? You mean I can, and we, every time we sin, there is a lie that looks really snazzy. Looks really sharp. Oh, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful lie. Makes us feel so warm and cuddly on the inside. You know, the Bible says sin is fun for a season, you know. But here's what happens when we believe the lie. Underneath that lie lies a hook that's going to get you. And it's going to get me. And what I want you to do is I just want you to do yourself the favor. Next time, right before you sin, I just want you to do your, be honest with yourself to at least pause, to at least pause and go, what's the lie I'm believing right now? As I call this person or as I make this decision or as I decide to compromise in this particular way, what is the lie that I'm choosing to believe? At least be honest with yourself. And recognize that we are believing a lie when we choose to sin. So this is why I want to challenge you. Don't take the bait and identify the lie. Be self-aware enough to identify the lie. And last, I'm going to land the plane here. Living for God's pleasure fulfills our desires. Living for God's pleasure fulfills our our desires. Y'all, here's the way that God works in our life. When we begin to find pleasure in the things that God is asking us to do, and I remember this in my own life, God had to rewire my brain and my heart because I grew up thinking, well, this is what fun means, and this is what fulfillment means, and this is what satisfaction means, and this is what this means, and this is how you spend money. This is what relationships look like. And I remember God had to say, well, well, all these dysfunctional definitions of what you have, Eric, of all these things in your life, I want to rewire the way that you think about them. And now I want you to find pleasure, not in the world's value system, but in my value system, God's value system. Because this is why. <clears throat> Take delight in the Lord. And he will give you your heart's desires. Some of you are lonely. Some of you feel helpless. Some of you are burnt out. Some of you are tired. Some of you are grieving. Some of you are disoriented. Some of you have definitions that need to be changed. Some of you have relationships that are just not healthy. Some of you are in places where that are just so painful. And I just want to challenge you with this truth that God said. I didn't say it. God said it. And he offers it to you. And he says, if you take delight in me, if you take pleasure in doing the things that I want you to do with your life, guess what? 
those things that mean a lot to you, those things that keep you up at night, those things that cause you to take anxiety medication, those things that are breaking your heart, God says, he will find a way. And I don't know how he does this, but he's God and he's omnipotent, all-powerful. But God is able to weigh, God is able, when we take delight in him, he will give us our heart's desires. My prayer for you, my friends, my prayer for you at Oak Ridge, and if you're watching online, is that you will choose to live a different kind of life, a life where you will take pleasure and doing what God wants you to do. And when you do, you will find out that he will be faithful and your heart's desires will begin to be met. I wanna pray for you. Heavenly Father, I wanna thank you so, so much for my friends here this morning and those at Oak Ridge and those watching online. And God, we, uh, we struggle with our desires. There are many of us probably living in shame right now because of things that have defeated us for years, things we're not proud of, uh, ways of thinking that are sabotaging any effort in our life to try to live for you, Jesus. And I pray a prayer over all of us, God, that you would help us change the way that we think to replace our dysfunctional, de depressing, anxious, weird, whatever thoughts and replace them with what God you have said. And you promise that when we take delight in you, that you will give us the desires of our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.